Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Got it! Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it! Welcome back, everybody. Here we are again, two slips in a gully. I'm joined, as always, by Glenn. Hello. And Scotty. How you cracking, guys? Um, we have an awesome episode ahead of us all today. Um, we are going to bust out the time machine and go back in time to have a look at an Aust- uh, historic Australia Kiwi test. Now, I nearly only went round the block back to 2004 because I thought, what better way of sort of sending in our Kiwi brothers by having a look at Glenn McGrath scoring his highest ever test score. But I thought, no, 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 we won't rub the Kiwis' faces in it that bad. Let's go back. So we're going to go back and just have a look to see who dared stand up to Richard Hadley in oh, 1987. Oh, oh, oh. Um, we're also going to have a look at, as always, the upcoming New Zealand-Australia test series and uh, just... Give our thoughts on that. Have a look at the squad, some predictions, how everything's shaping up in the Australian cricket landscape with the nature of the pitches. And uh, we're going to start a three-part segment. So this segment will take place over the next three podcasts where Scott, myself, and Glenn are going to release our most enjoyable-to-watch 11. We're going to start off with our opening batsman and number three. So... We'll reveal those ones. Next week, we'll do our middle-order batsman, and the week after, we'll do our bowlers and wicketkeeper. So um, plenty of action coming your way, and all that is coming up next. Go on, straight down the throat of first slip. All right, so we better go bust out the time machine. So I had a preset to 2004, but like we said... We're not going to go relive McGrath's heroics this time. We're going well, to go they, back. They they talk about it enough when they're on commentary, don't they? Like it's it's Glenn McGrath. Like yeah. he scored a fifty. I think he actually said something to Ricky Ponting because McGrath came out in the very next test with a, a bat with sticker with sixty one written on it, 
Pontings like they normally reserve those who you know you go and score something like three hundred or three fifty or something like that, and uh, he's gone punter. I average four <laughs> in in Test cricket, so me scoring sixty one would be the same as you scoring seven hundred and fifty. So why don't you just let me have this one, all right? <laughs> Which I love because no one was more confident about his batting than well, no one was confident about his batting other than Glenn McGrath. So yeah. Good to yeah. see him getting stuck in. But no, we're going to set the dials back to 1987. We're going to go to the Boxing Day test um, where we are going to have a look at the third test in that series and Richard Hadley's one of more famous performances against Australia and uh, uh, a test that's not without some controversy. So let's... Uh, it's always controversial when it's, when it's Australia New Zealand. Yeah, we just find a way of... If they cared about cricket as much as rugby, we, you know, we'd be at war right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's buckle in. We'll fire it up and we'll head back to 1987. Here we are, the source of uh, one of the more controversial games here. Um, like we said in the in the, the the beginning, Richard Hadley was on an absolute mission here. I believe he took nearly nine or ten for the match. He had an awesome spell. Um, really had Australia on the ropes, and um, New Zealand arguably, if you talk to some of them, should have had the game won. But um, as it was, everyone's favourite TV host, Mike Whitney, former Australian fast bowler. Had to see out and over against uh, Sir Richard Hadley and um, managed to survive, sealing the test. It was um, actually Alan Border's first test series win as captain as well, so it was a pretty big deal at the time. And uh, something that Richard Hadley says to this day was arguably his worst moment in his career, not being able to knock over Mike Whitney. Well, he did have a fair chance, didn't he? Um, I, I think it was more than an over that he faced out. He was there for... Quite a while. Yeah, I think he ended up facing something about 20-odd balls in that final innings. But I just but like, might... he, he faced the last over of the day and yeah. Hadley was steaming in, fire in the belly. And and was probably out. Um, it was back when um, you could uh, umpire your own nation. Yeah, so it was an Australian umpire was the umpire there. So that's where, you know, the Kiwis getting stuck in, looking for some controversy. Arguably, uh, Whitney was hit flush on the pads. And you got to say, even as uh, green and gold Australian fans here, it looked, it looked pretty adjacent. I, I've seen the footage a few times. I'm just like, on your bike, Mike. You know, <laughs> it was doing a fair you bit. Can, that you ball. can, that you ball can, was swinging a long way. You can from go outside. have a weekend in Sydney now. You know, like it's, it's okay. It wasn't as good as yours, but can we just, you know, can we just do away with the fact that Mike Whitney has had a very mediocre career as a <laughs> as a broadcaster? Because, like, mate, I, I think I think it's really about time that we just bring the fact that Mike Whitney is like was a very decent bowler, especially at New South Wales level, but he should have yeah. had more of an Australian career, but he was a very good bowler for Australia as well. Well, he played for New South Wales and I think later on um, WA. I think yeah. you'll find. And he was uh, like, he, he had a very good shield career. Like, uh, a left-arm swing, swing bowler, mostly. Um, so, yeah... Um, it was it was it was a habit I think at that time to compare all uh, 
left arm swing bowlers to Mike Whitney or uh, Bruce Reed. And one of my favourite takeaways from well, it, I heard on the introduction to um his cricket legends um interview, but one of the only guys to well the only guy to have played with um Dennis Lilly and then bookend his career with finishing up with um Shane Warne. Well, other than Alan Border, I guess you'd say as well. Yeah, he he had a long time between tests, didn't they? They yeah. they, they was, dropped him. Started in the eighties and finished in the nineties. This particular game was the first test that he played in over six years. They'd brought him back for so um, yeah, it was a he was recalled to the the team for for this series. So it wasn't long back in the side. I would, was, li- I would like to say just before we go on a little bit further, I think mediocre broadcaster might be a little rough on Paul Mike. You, you it's un- actually one of Mike's. Um, he says it's actually one of his favourite things to hear is that people are surprised when they find out he was a cricketer, that people actually know him as a TV broadcaster, and there's people out there that go, I didn't know you played cricket. So I think I think mediocre host might be just, a little bit mean on poor Mike. He's you're, had you're, quite under, a, you're, under, you're underestimating how popular Who Dares Wins was in the yeah. 90s. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's no doubting his chops, but I think... I'd I'd rather him be remembered as the guy who was a good bowler who oh, did I'm, a bit of TV I, in later I, life. I'm sure... Mike Whitney would as well for his athletic prowess. Don't be wrong, but, um, he's, he's definitely yeah, made his millions off the old broadcasting. There, but. there are definitely a generation of people out there that only know of Mike Whitney as uh, a TV broadcaster. So he's more than held his own as a and TV I'm, broadcaster. I'm more than happy to educate the masses on that. And and can you can you think of a single person who has uh, played cricket for Australia and then gone on to have a successful media career that didn't involve commentating on cricket? Well, um, Not off the top of my head, no. Basically, you just come out of cricket and you get shoved in the, the commentary team. So That's right. Not so many people have gone on to be... Yeah. and, Mark, and Mark Nicholas does a lot of successful English career. TV yeah. in England, obviously. That would, yeah, that would, that's missing out on the criteria of having a successful cricketing career. And, and well, Jay, he played his shield cricket. He arguably yeah. had a similar career to Mike Whitney, just didn't quite yeah. have as good a crack in the test team for England. And James Brayshaw had a first-class cricket career and, and then became a very annoying comment. Com- ah, don't I even mention that. I bloke. can't talk right now. He just jumped he codes. Just, yeah. And thank God I don't listen to that much AFL. He's an accommodator, not a commentator. <laughs> so, yeah, so for, for the test that we were, were covering, so really big one, Australia were looking like um, running away with a victory here. Um Reading some of the you know, reports on this, that a lot of the uh, the wives and girlfriends actually went home because they, Australia had a chase of about two forty, I think, to get in the last innings, and they thought they were going to run them down. And yeah, Hadley just had one of those Hadley esque spells where he just you know tormented the Australians the whole day, you know, skittled through the order, um, and then it became a survival mission for the end of the day, and ended up with Craig McDermott and um, and, and Mike Whitney. At the crease, trying yep. to see off the end. Well, Jeff Marsh up the order made a disappointingly quick twenty-three off ninety-eight balls. Um, <laughs> uh, Michael Valletta, I remember him from the Canberra comments. But <laughs> comments, Canberra comments. Good. English is hard, Glenn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I, I don't even have a second language either. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Valletta, I'm getting his stats up. Like he'd definitely make the best uh, eleven as far as his mo goes. You know? <laughs> the like, best mo eleven. Yeah, like you know, he's not quite there in, in David Boone status or or you know Murph Hughes, but it's there. It's it's out there. Where's he on the scale of like Mitchell Johnson though? Um, 
No, see, he doesn't. Lot, John, doesn't Johnson's got to be the goats, the the goat stash, like that Ashes series stash. Like he, he nah, literally, but, but he said that was an homage to to. He to intimidated Merv. like multiple English players into retirement in that series. Like, <laughs> mm. yes. and, that, and yeah. it's it's got to be the stash. It like, it has all the stash. stash. Yeah. Mustache power. Mustache power. That stash was in Jonathan Trott's nightmares for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Michael Valletta. What a what a career. Eight eight tests, an average of eighteen point eight one. Oh dear. Okay. All right. Well, I'm yeah, sure well, he. I'm sure he did well in first class. Well, there is a reason why. Um, you know, this was Alan Border's first Test series win as a captain. So Australia was clearly going through a bit of a rebuilding phase. They've obviously went back to the well with Mike Whitney to get him back into the side. As we said, six years off. So you know, this is the, as the Australia. You know, eighty-seven. We're two years away from that famous Ashes win. So we're you know we're rebuilding. So this is probably the the first step in a in the process. Well, not the first step, but the first sort of milestone rather than first step because we know Alan Border put a lot of work into that team over a long period of time. But the first milestone in getting that team into the the juggernaut that we know it to be through the nineties and thousands. Mm. Um, so yeah, really big win. Yep. But like I said, not without controversy. Um, Greg Dyer, the wicketkeeper, also had one that often gets overlooked because of the you know the final. Final over antics with the LBW calls not being not being given, where um, there was, you know, a catch has gone through and Dyer's claimed it, thought he caught it, and then um, it's come up on replay that he's fumbled it quite badly and it's quite definitely hit the ground. So there was some quite li- quite understandably upset mm. Kiwi batsman there. Um, Look, I, I'm almost on the Kiwi side there. You know? Um, to Greg Dyer's credit, though, he, um, from all reports, genuinely thought that he caught it. And um, there's some you know comments from Ian Smith, who you know the famous Kiwi commentator, ex-player that you know, gets gets around to basically all the the Kiwi matches and is wonderful to hear on commentary. Yeah, he's um, a good commentator. Was um, talking to him and um, maintains that yeah that, that Greg was always quite distraught after he saw the 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 footage because he always like he. Mate always said that I'd never appeal for something I didn't think was out. Um, so it was Ian Smith that he actually dismissed. Uh, I don't think it was Ian Smith that he dismissed, but Ian Smith was at the other end. So right, okay. Um, hmm. But yeah, so there, there's that too. So it was a, a test of um, quite a lot of controversy. We seem to get the controversy out for the Kiwis. We like to keep them on yeah. their toes, I suppose. Yeah, we. Uh, you know, it's. Whatever you have to do to to beat your younger your younger cousin, well, oh, yeah. I think this ties into why, <laughs> as we've talked about over a few podcasts, why we can have a really successful trans Tasman rivalry. And we're talking about some tests that have happened, like matches that have happened decades ago, and it's all part of the law. And I just think that there's an opportunity to really, I suppose, not glorify that, but you know. This is obviously something that New Zealand wants to beat us, and we want it like we want to beat the Kiwis at rugby. New Zealand wants to beat us at cricket. We're always happy to like really competitive against each other, and in the most most cases, it's, it's played in really good spirit. So, um, you know, I'm sure that there's some the underarm ball was not one of those particular ones, but we we've got this this rivalry that everyone can feel whether or not that the um, the rankings over the course of history agree that these teams are... Is there a the time level? where we can feel that we were cheated by the Kiwis, though? 
Does this go both ways, I, or is it? I can't is rem- it just us bullying I, I a younger it, cousin? Most of the time, it's just us bullying the Kiwis. But, uh, <laughs> well, I think as far as a cricketing perspective, that costs them the game. This these LBWs cost them the series. Well, they should have saved we, their. We've reviews. not like this, barring this era of Test cricket, we weren't being dominated by New Zealand very regularly. And so you can definitely understand ever. that. I don't, I don't think we'd, you'd say that we were ever being dominated by New Zealand. Like we've, they've won a few series. Uh, home, oh, definitely, home definitely series Sir Richard Hadley era was like the era for New Zealand. Like yep. the Crow brothers and like th- they had a pretty decent setup there. Um, and yeah, so you can definitely say like it's that whole underdog mentality, I guess, with them where it's just like, you know, they've they've had a few rough calls and – in games that they should have won, and they've kind of not won them. Whereas Australia is kind of like you know we we, we let the losses go, we let losses go because we've we've it's, won a few more against them, kind of thing. I guess it's interesting. It means then, more when they beat us. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> it's kind of like Tonga beating us in the uh, in the rugby league there. Um, but um, speaking of the Crow brothers, um, did you see they interviewed Wazim Makram the other day and asked him who he thought the Hardest bowler to bowl to, uh, the whole hardest batter to bowl to was. Yeah, it was Martin Crow, and he said Martin Crow. Just yeah. we didn't really touch on that in the in the last episode with the wrap up of the test series, but yeah, was Macram was was definitely the highlight for me of that series. Like he, his commentary is just a breath of fresh air for me. Well, I, I liked Ramiz as, as well. Like, like I, yeah, I always yeah. enjoy Ramiz, but I don't, I don't get to watch. I don't get to listen to Wasim. I don't think as much. So it's just kind yeah. of like it was. It was a treat. Like, First real exposure I had to him was the Cricket Legends interview he did and just like just listening to stuff like that and he's You can really tell that Akram is a, a student of the game and, yeah. and, and people people listen to what he's and like he was talking about swing bowling, he was genuinely educating people as opposed to just talking nonsense all the time. Yeah. Which is yeah. just what everyone else does. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like Yes, this was this awesome skill that I can do, and I'm not going to tell yeah. you how to do it. As opposed to Warney talking about how they like how they should set the field to, you know, Pat Cummins or something like that. It's just, you know, he's sticking to what he knows and mm. he does that well. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just refreshing. Uh, there's a guy named Terry Jenner. That I, I don't know whether Shane Moore knows him, but uh, apparently he, you know, basically taught him how to bowl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about the test series in New Zealand. Sorry, we're getting back. Of, yeah, yeah, don't back get me started on that. <laughs> my, my, well, my voice will get higher and higher. There was... um. <laughs> Uh, a lovely story coming out of that test, uh, which Mike Whitney and um, uh, Richard Hadley were basically became pretty close friends after this series and have kept in touch. And um, at the end of the game, um, Ian Smith, who is wicketkeeper for New Zealand, recognised exactly sort of how monumentous the the um, the task that Whitney had had done. Like they secured the first series win for Australia under Alan Border, so. Um, you know, you know, survived against Richard Hadley and Ian Smith without really thinking about it too much went over and congratulated um, Whitney and said, "You've done your country a great service today. Congratulations! You've you've really worked hard for it. Well done!" And gave him the game ball. Right. Um, and Richard Hadley actually has the game ball for every single five wicket haul. Right. That except he that had, one. except that one. And I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was actually for the World Cup. The, the, in Australia, uh, Mike Whitney went and actually gave. He said to her, "It's my game ball, but I'm giving it to you on permanent loan." And <laughs> um, he said that you know, Hadley almost teared up at the at the gesture because he actually had got to complete his 
his set. He had a, a his five for ball for every five that he got. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah that, that's one of the little history things, right? That you that makes oh, you feel all warm and fuzzy. How, how good? How good is this game? Yeah, um, yeah, but there's some, there's some really like even from that game, um, you talk about congratulating guys, giving game balls and stuff like that. I got went went back and watched the the last over because obviously pretty tense over and. You know, just everything on the line, and Mike Whitney just watching every ball under the bat. Like I don't think he's ever watched a ball that closely <laughs> under the bat batting ever. And then straight afterwards, walks up, shakes the hand of the of the guy at the other end, Craig McDermott, and then um walks over, and uh, the first guy to tap him on the shoulder was Richard Hadley, and he just said, "Well done, mate." Like at the end of the day, that like the camaraderie shown in this in this event, there was no like you talk about controversies of umpiring decisions, blah blah blah. Guy can call what he sees at the day. I'm yeah. pretty sure that umpire actually maintains to this day that he didn't think he was out live when he saw it. Um, he yeah. maintains that it wasn't it, it out. Was, he looks at replays and says it, it's not out. Yeah, yeah. So he's, <laughs> you know, in his mind, he's he's guiltless. Australia yeah. definitely didn't have anything to do with influencing him either. Like, he's just calling what he sees. And then, um, yeah, Richard Adler's just gone at the end and just shook hands and it was just really a uneventful series except for the really good competitive spirit on the field. And yeah. Australia earned that victory. Like they, they, they fought very hard, and it was a real turning point in Australian Test cricket. For for a game that is as brutal as as cricket is, it it is good to see that that people can let it go. Um, because like we say, Kiwi has been on the raw end of the stick when it comes to playing against Australia quite a lot, and the fact that um, they always seem to be in in good spirits and they let things go, and it's just it is refreshing that it's not it's a rivalry that isn't built on like wanting to see the other team fail. Like we want to beat India because we don't like India and we want to beat England because they're the old enemy and things like that. It's really refreshing that this series, well, this, you know, rivalry between Australia and New Zealand is one that has produced some genuinely quality, genuinely quality cricket had plenty of moments in there that would be caused for either team to Mm. really have a, a, be quite angry with the other one, but it's all ends up being water under the bridge. And it's, cl- and it's credit to the Kiwis and the way they conduct themselves yeah. with their cricket team. It's a, re- it's a real just, signature of the New just, Zealand game. They just, it? It's water off a duck's back. They get well, on with it. They let bygones be bygones. They come back and just produce more quality cricket. And so I think there are a lot of Australians' uh, second national team as well. Um, like if I'm seeing New Zealand play yeah. against any other team other than Australia... We're going for New Zealand. They're jumping up the rankings for me for sure, but growing up, they definitely maybe, were my second team to watch. Maybe they the were, Windies were, as well, because we all want to see the West Indies back to their former glory. Yeah. I think. Yeah, West Indies is more of a barometer for me. I think. Yeah, they're they're kind of a healthy Test cricket is a healthy West Indies cricket kind mm. of thing, or mm. vice versa kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's the one thing that I think Australia could definitely. Like if if I could take one part of New Zealand's game year in year out, decade in decade out, it's definitely the way they conduct themselves on the cricket field. It's just it's so admirable. It's just so it's cricket. They want to win, but they want to win and it's and want to hold themselves the right way. Yeah, they, they want to do it the right way. And the fact is, like this, New Zealand's been rugby forever. There's less people that live in New Zealand that live in Sydney, and yet for decades and decades in a rugby mad country that has four million people in it, they produce quality cricket teams. And I think that's something to be said about how well regarded cricket is in their country by their cricketers and just the well, it's interesting. The, the infrastructure they've got in place to recognise talent because when you've got 
Basically, yeah. all your young kids growing up wanting to play football. There's not a lot of kids left over to go play cricket. They get, squeeze every it, drop it's of re- talent that they get out of their yeah. cricket. Is it's because you keep we keep coming back to the the rugby union versus cricket debate, and that's probably the really best example as far as how different Australia is to New Zealand. Because New Zealand rugby unions played everywhere. It's played on the street by kids. It's like cricket in India. It's like it, like it's, it's their national sport. Yeah. Whereas cricket is like rugby in Australia. It's a it's a private school kind of, you know, a lot of black caps are produced from specific private schools in New Zealand and stuff like that. I remember playing a touring team that was from some random school and they had some young gun prospect and apparently they produced black caps every so often and, like, it was... Um, it, yeah, it's definitely kind of... They also on the produced um, New Zealand cricketers, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not one of your better ones, Glenn, but it's... Uh, yeah. Oh, I think that's <laughs> arguable. <laughs> yeah, look. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's, it's it's an interesting contrast there, I think, that one. Just um, before we jump back in the time machine and um, head back to 2019 to, to have a chat about the upcoming series, I just want to put you through some... Um, Interesting facts about Hadley in this game. So Hadley was 36 at the time. Um, There's still hope for me. <laughs> he he bowled 75 overs in that match. Yeah. And just and all the players around there were just sort of talking about how he just, for the last hour of that game, just seemed to be in this trance where he was just a, a, a cricket machine. And just when you think about the quality he had to produce while... Um, Bowling seventy five overs in a match, and we all know about how like he cert- his body certainly paid for it. We all know about some of the health um, problems that Hadley's had since cricket, but just the sheer willpower of the man to go and essentially almost bowl his team, and arguably should have bowled his team to victory seventy five overs in a match, and taking what ten for just what a, like he certainly certainly deserves the the moniker of Sir Richard Hadley. Like he is an incredible player and I think he's one of those ones that we'd really like to Russell Crowe and <laughs> in, in my mind he's Australian. <laughs> no, I think the Kiwis deserve to have, you know, a legend. Yeah. <laughs> and, and certainly and like wouldn't be out of place in any you know, any world all time world eleven. It's certainly six be... years of age and he's just yeah, he just keeps bowling. Look at this. Like I was just reading down the overs that the other guys bowled. You've got Danny Morrison, who I remember was still going in the 90s, well into the 90s. So he would have been a young man at that time. In the second innings, he's only bowled 16 overs. Hadley's bowled 31. In the first innings, he bowled 44. Yeah. It was was pretty Richard Hadley, though. Like, he just wanted the ball in his hand. Like, Mm. he, he... he 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 definitely was. He, he wouldn't have gone too well in this era of sports science. I, I wonder what the high performance coaches would would say about that. Oh, <laughs> they probably would have stopped him after the thirtieth over in the first innings <laughs> and about the twentieth over in the second innings, and he would have yeah. said, "Go jump." I'm pretty, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure Hadley would have told him where to go if they said, oh, yeah. "You man, nah, mate, you've had enough overs in this just, game." Just knocks him out. He would have just went. He would have. Just, I reckon he just would have laughed and went, "Oh, very funny," and then just grabbed the ball and ran in and bowled. But that's yeah. the, that's the thing. You look you, you read across that bowling list and like Richard Hadley is streets ahead of any of those bowlers in the mind of anyone who, you know, followed know, cricket did, around that time. How did Danny Morrison end up? I'm I'm gonna have a look at that. Well well Hadley Hadley retired, I'm pretty sure, as the all time leading wicket taker. 
Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah when, he, when he retired, he was he had no one had taken more wickets than Hadley. He'd four thirty one's what he finished on, and I'm at twenty two, which is phenomenal. And I'm pretty sure at the time that was the most wickets anyone ever taken in a Test match. So well, how old did Lily play till? How old? Yeah, oh, I'm not sure. So because yeah. because you would have thought yeah because it would it was definitely after Lily's time Hadley retired so yeah he'd definitely be thereabouts. Yeah, Danny Morrison, 160 wickets at 34. Um, so not, so not average, not terrible, but not yeah. Yeah. average. Yeah. Like, okay. The, the, like the, there's there's some good bowlers in New Zealand. Don't get me wrong, but like Hadley's the pinnacle of New Zealand bowling. Mm. Yep. And Vittori, you know, just just for his longevity, was around as well. well oh, Vittori as well. I think if you you can't find a better personification out of those two, Richard Hadley. Fiercely aggressive, um, fiercely professional, and just wants to do everything and win. And Dan Vittori, the consummate professional. Like, when have you seen Dan Vittori blow up or do anything ridiculous? Like, he's got a spotless record off the field. Like, I, I did see Dan Vittori blow up, actually. It was last year when the lights went out in that. It was like, <laughs> like a Heat Stars game. And uh, uh, he was play, He was coaching the, 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 the Stars at the time. And they were on track to smash uh, them in that game, the and, the, and the lights went out. Yeah, sorry, the heat. And he was just like, "This is rubbish." The game was called a draw because the lights just stopped working at the ground, and it was the home team that was going to lose and everything. So <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. But on on the field, no, I can't remember any pops, But well, I to work that story. Yeah, I think those two well, are incredibly. Well, like, I think that's justifiable, example. though. <laughs> that was ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. That was the funniest thing I've seen in Joe Cricket ever. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, I think we should head back to 2019 and we'll have a look at... Um, I mean, we're in the... Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. <laughs> and we'll have a look at the upcoming series. Oh! Righto, guys. So let's uh, jump back in uh, in here to the modern day. Or it's good what, to be back. What constitutes the modern day right now. I like a bit of settlement time. I like, you and know. now. But... um. No, yeah, so let's discuss this uh this uh upcoming waiting with bated breath test match that we're going on for. Um yeah, so no surprise Australia's stuck with a winning formula and we've uh, got yep. the same eleven from the last go round. Picked the same eleven, which means Pattinson and Nisa will miss out and <sighs> very surprised that Travis Head got another run. He didn't do anything in that last test. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> It is very exciting for those of you that might have Nisa or Pattinson in your super coach teams, however, though. Yeah. That means they will Nisa be able, locked in for you, Glenno. They'll be available uh, to play. Well, look, I, I'm, I'm actually I'm making a few changes, to be honest, because um, I'm just going to keep it keep it simple and uh, just pick. And not to mention keep look, it on the I, QT, Glenno. I'm, I'm liking this, this coy tactics from you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I'll, I'll put it up. I'll put it up on the Facebook page. <laughs> Two uh-huh. hours before the first game. Yep. <laughs> when, you've, when you've won the first matchup. Um, Careful, we don't want to get suspended. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah. Like, We've got what, a day what, night. What could, what could you fault about that team? The, 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 the one-week link in the bowling was Starkey before that, and he's... Um, yeah, just, well, he's made some adjustments. Like, yeah, yeah he's, he was probably the, arguably the form bowler in the Pakistan series. Stark, so, and just, the good thing is, is for him... So, sorry to cut you, cut you right. up, but just the good thing for him was just he's literally the adjustments he's made is just to make things simpler for him, yeah. And that's you, what he needed to do. Like we've, we've been screaming for it for a while. It's just you know, bowl full, bowl straight, 
well fast. Yeah, there's been some tweaks to his action as well to help him, you know, follow through the crease a bit better. But um, yeah, essentially, it's just he simplified the game. It's gets the ball early, throws it up there, see if there's swing. If there's no swing, he just goes and does what he does best, which is bowl fast. Yeah, mm. good on him. Um, and and yeah, like the bat, none of the batsmen really kind of demanded that they be dropped from that team. Either I mean a bit of a question mark on Joe Root's second. Oh, sorry, not Joe. Joe Burns' second um, second dig, but we the guy coming off a bloody ninety in the first go can't argue with that. And yeah, yeah the he, other guys just got a scored a total. plethora of runs. Yeah. And batsmen are allowed the occasional the only bad guy, score. The only guy who had a rough trot there was Smitty, and I mean I'd drop him personally, but the guy averaging sixty. But I guess got, you've got to kind of stick with him. You've got him in Supercoach, though. <laughs> yeah, got, look, I saw that price tag. I'm like, he's a bargain at that price. Josh Hazelwood as well. Get drop them both. Have all sixes. Um, and then yeah, the New Zealand teams as as now is yet to be announced. But um, Bolt and DeGronholm made Bolt, it. Over. Yeah, they're both they're both being named in the team. Massive and, ins for New Zealand. Massive ins. Trent Bolt is going to be huge for that team, especially considering the first test is a day night test at the Wacker. So that's going to be um, the Wacker, the Optus Stadium. Well, the, yeah, Optus Stadium. It's, sorry, it's, it's such an adjustment. I'm saying it yeah. all the time as well. Now it's just like, what is life but, like now? It's but can just we different. give it? Can we give it a non-sponsorship nickname like Perth Stadium? Personally. Are we are we going to go non non sponsor? Yeah, but can we be a bit more like whacker is good because it's kind of like a, you know you're playing cricket, so you you like whacking the ball, and then it's also like that. That's how I thought of it when I was a kid. It's like oh, they've just called the. <laughs> I didn't didn't realize it was like a an acronym. <laughs> let's come up with let's like, come up oh, with a name yeah. for the. You, you want to go nicknames for all of them now, Glenn? Yeah, I want I want nicknames. Let's well, like I think they call it the. Let's um, do it now. I think they call it the furnace. Do it now in in the um in the BBL they call it the furnace. Oh yeah, yeah. The scorches furnace. Yeah, um, I don't really like the gabbertoir either. Like, it's just, it's just a bit lame. Yeah, it's a bit cringeworthy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, but you're a hard man to please today, Glenn. Yeah. I, th- I think. Yeah. New, I think New Zealand. Look, I've got high standards. I don't. I don't think New Zealand's team's going to be very different to what to what we've um. I think the, come to expect. I think the big probably the big question mark that people are calling for is um Lockie Ferguson, Ferguson to. Make a crack into that team somewhere with his extra pace and bounce, especially at the um, is, at is, the at uh, the furnace. Is there something they could possibly learn from Pakistan in that though as well? Which is don't just pick a guy because he's fast. Lockie pick Ferguson because he's in form and going well. Lockie Ferguson does have a bit more international pedigree than the the sixteen year olds that Pakistan picks. So it's yeah, not. Yeah, but as, he's not, not played as, a test yet either. So he's very similar, boat. But the the word that I've heard is. Have you heard the word? Um, Bird is the word. Yeah, is uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've just screwed me up now. Um, is that Neil Neil Wagner is their uh, is their enforcer? Their firebrand, yeah. 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 Even though he, he doesn't get the the ball up there, you know, too you know too high, and then one. So one, is it, he, one, does, he does bowl a heavy plus. ball, and he does like bowling. Back of a length, so yeah. that sounds like that's their plan. Like you know, it's a, a regular occurrence for New Zealand to set sort of two or three back on the hook and just let Wagner go in and have that sort of John, Mitchell Johnson s sort of spell. Yep, roughing the the bowlers up, roughing the batsmen up, I should say. One thing that um, New Zealand are going to have to be aware of is that um, you know Australia face pretty quick bowlers all the time in the nets. Yeah, but I think so. Um, yeah, you've got to make that's, sure you, that's my point. Is you got to make fast sure for the sake of fast isn't good enough. Yeah. You, you need to have good bowlers. When's yeah. the last time that you sorry that you remember a, a genuinely quick attack really messing up the Australians with bounce? 
It'd be the West Indies that I can think of. Maybe Shoaib Actor briefly. Um, Kemar Roach. There's hitting, not a, hitting Ponting in the yeah, grill. Yeah. There. There's not a lot where. Well, yeah, they still won Roach, those series though. But yeah, they did. Wasn't sort of they didn't you know clean up an entire batting no, lineup though. So no. it's been a very very long time that you've come in with the strategy of let's go and just go after the Aussies with Joffrey you know, Archer with bounce <laughs> and so it'll and it's and it's worked. So if New Zealand's plan is to um. Yeah, get under the Aussie skin and rattle the cage. It's brave, good on them, but they need to make sure that they've got plans. There needs plans. to be a lot of control to your fast bowling because yeah. Australia will pick you off. Yep. I don't think it matters how fast you're bowling the short stuff, though. So long as it's good. Look, look, at, yeah, look at Josh just, Hazelwood. Guys, yeah. The guy's by no means expressed, but he can bowl a pretty good bumper on his day. Yeah, he's been faster than, than people realise of late. but um, Yeah, but he's still not. He, he, it's not synonymous with Josh Hazelwood nowadays as fast bowling. and Yeah. And and Glenn McGrath was still like shortening people up when he was bowling low one thirties. I still remember him bouncing Kevin Peterson on one day and breaking his ribs. He broke his rib because with a Peterson, powder buff. Peterson kept charging him at the Adelaide Oval, and McGrath just got the shits. And then, well, I've had enough of this. Yeah, you but charge what I'm me, saying, I'll charge you to go to the emergency room. <laughs> yeah, but um, like. McGrath used to bowl short with purpose, yeah. you know, every time. Not, like, it would never be half a short ball where it only got up to, like, chest height or it wouldn't be one of those ones that's ridiculously short and just flies harmlessly. When McGrath bowled a short ball, you knew it was a short ball because it was just that awkward length, always, you know, armpit to what? ear length kind of thing. And I guess on in that kind of vein, you'd probably be looking at, what India did well over here, and it's it's still so different because India, the last real team to have success over here was India, and they weren't playing the same test team that, that well, India New Zealand didn't. India didn't beat us with the short ball though. India just it was relentless. Yeah, well, but that's what I mean. Is yeah, it, 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 that's not the way to beat Australia. Like if any, if they're oh, coming well, over and just saying both four short balls and over, then you're not going to win this against Australia. I'm yeah. just, well, uh, what I'm saying is, I hope that Neil Wagner. I think he'll he'll be um, successful if he can sort of. Uh, em, emulate that McGrath model of, of being, op- you've got being to short, short with purpose. Optus Stadium showed that it had quite a bit of life in it in that um, game against India as well. It was um, hard to handle for a lot of the batsmen. So, um, yeah, I think it's a great strategy. You've got to come in and make the Aussies uncomfortable. But what they've just got to remember is that can't be the, you know, if it's not looking like it's working, you've got to go to something else because the Australians are pretty good at sh- facing short pitch bowling typically. So, um, Well, the other thing that they've got is they've got Trent Bolt, who can bowl swing. Yeah, so and with a pink ball first up, yep. that's going to be a really big test for the They've Aussies. They've got Tim Southey, a traditional swing bowler as well, and he's got a ton of experience too. So yeah, I'm sure he'll have oh. a couple of other things up his sleeve. Um, you know, he made his debut. Ooh. He made his debut really young for um, New Zealand and what he's now in his, his yeah. mid-30s. So. Speaking of fixtures of the... New Zealand team, like that guy's been around for ages. Yeah, like it. it like this is, and this is the interesting part. You, you talk about this Trans Tasman rivalry, rivalry being a thing. Is they've got players coming through the ranks. I just want to see more consistency out of these guys. Let's like, when's the next guy coming through? Like, I wouldn't mind seeing Lockie Ferguson in that regard because he's looked pretty good in one short form. He's he's an older bloke. He's twenty eight or something. But there's a couple of good years in him. Bring him through. See how he's going. Kind of, you know. Well, Australia's got the stable. Like I'm, I'm calling for the stable in Australia. Let's get a stable in New Zealand. Well. Let's get a stable everywhere. Let's like kind of 
let's make Test cricket healthy everywhere. Like New Zealand's definitely got a chance here. They've got Tom Latham, they've got Kane Williamson, who's going to be a captain for a very long time for them. They've got a, they've got the basis of a really yeah. good team. Ross Taylor. Um, yeah. Well, you know, Ro- Ro- how long is Ross Taylor going to play for? B.J. Jeez. Watling. He's a guy that we've talked about a number of times on this podcast as being an excellent, excellent cricketer, and I think the form wicketkeeper batsman in the world. So he's going to be really hard to handle in the you know lower middle order. Um, Don't sleep I, on him. That's I for think sure. their other opening position is probably New Zealand's big weak link. Um, well, I'm just glad they got rid of Martin Guptill because that guy, he had a Watto front pad. Um, yeah. But yeah, do we think this is the best New Zealand team that they've brought out here? Well, that they've had maybe since of- maybe since the team we uh, we just went back in time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just purely because they've got Hadley. It's definitely it's definitely thereabouts. Like well, you know, Hadley and the and, I, and, I, and I, I think the big thing is I hope in three tests time we're not saying what might have been, but yeah, it's definitely it's 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 a lot more of a shake up than what Pakistan are going to give us by a by a country mile. Like it's yeah, it's well, going to be a tough series. Well, all things considered, you'd have to say that well, New Zealand are higher ranked than Australia and. Um, arguably are the better side. I mean, we've still got the Steve Smith factor. If he'd yeah. be clamoring out for some runs after those, not those, picking up any, those rankings desperately need to be adjusted because yeah, we're we're not we're not worse than New Zealand at this point. I don't think. Oh, we've also got Pakistan and South Africa, I believe, are ahead of us as well, which isn't the case anymore. Yeah. So um, once they just sort of update with the the current shape, the landscape, yeah, yeah. I we're, imagine we're due that we'll for be. A big bump. We'll probably, I don't know if we can overtake New Zealand in the rankings at the end of this series, but I think we'll end up being third to, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the end of it. So but depending we're, we're depending playing, on how the series goes. We're playing goes. better cricket at the moment. Just, yeah, we're playing better it's, cricket. It's close. It's very close, though. The New Zealand... Oh, I don't know about... Well, I think we've got short memory. New Zealand have... We had that period uh, while Smith and Warner were on their sabbatical that New Zealand gained a lot of ground. I don't think they've lost a series in... Yeah, and, and that's the point. Is that in about nine or ten series, New Zealand have either won or drawn every Ze- series they've played. So New Zealand have kind of they've, they've had a good showing, but our win in in Indi- in England, sorry, was our um, draw in England. Well, our series win in England was um was definitely a much better and harder slog than going to Sri Lanka and you know like don't get me wrong, Sri Lanka at home is still a bit of a beast, but you know there's definitely a rebuilding phase going on there as compared to England, who are kind of. You know, they're always good on home soil. Yeah, I think we're probably not quite giving the Kiwis enough credit if you're saying that we're playing, we're playing, are you playing better cricket than them I just now? Think, it just, I, just for me, it's just you look at the matchups, 1 through 11, and we have better players. You know, there's a couple that are probably better in certain spots. Like I'd say Tom Latham's definitely given it a shout for being one of the better openers going around in Test cricket at the moment. Kane Williams is definitely in the conversation as being one of the, you know, one of the top form batsmen. Does he bat at three or four? You know, he bats at three. So head to head, there's definitely an argument to say that he's better than Labuschagne. Um, uh, yeah, Kane Williamson's definitely better than Manus Labuschagne. Well, like you go off his the last little sampling, especially Labuschagne's yeah, last iteration but, in but Test cricket. We're not he's going, going off well. the last little sampling. We're going to look at Kane Williamson's whole career where he's played quite a number of tests, averaging well over fifty. Uh, he's a yeah, but he's it, a better but, player but, than I, 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 I mean, we, we, we could get into this argument, but. Labuschagne has definitely had a very, very beautiful start to his second coming in the test team. Like, this guy is his potential personified right now. But um, can he take a catch at bad pad, bat pad? <laughs> also, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... And, and Labuschagne dropped that one last time. I mean, the, the, only thi- the only thing that Williamson's got on him at the moment, I think, is looks. Cause 
Jeez, he's a bit of a rough-head old Labuschagne. Wow, you're being you're being really harsh on Kane Williamson. He's the guy's making up part of the big four that we're all talking about with Coley Mate, Smith. But, but I mean, how long until Labuschagne becomes part of this elite level batsman I thought conversation? You de- I thought you were going to defend Marnus's looks then. <laughs> no, <laughs> indefensible apparently. Um, mate, I'd like I. I I just genuinely think it's it's a close it's a lot closer run thing at the moment, especially considering Kane's kind of he's six and a half thousand runs at fifty two with twenty one Test hundreds in seventy matches. How many more Tests has he played though? Yeah, but that's that's my point though. You've got Labuschagne who's played yeah. like, like, four, like three, I say, mate, I can I can I can have a big big long argument about this. Three, with you. three like, Tests this, against this is, England and then two Tests against some Pakistan juniors, and he's cashed in again. A guy making his debut over, well, you know, sorry, not making his debut, but kind of his second coming to the team. His first batting stint was under a mountain of pressure, and he scores a seventy odd. Like, this guy is doing a lot like, right right I'm, now. I'm not saying that Labuschagne isn't a class player, but I'm just this talk, is I'm, I'm literally just talking Williamson about current form right now, mate. This is all I'm talking about. Because you can't, you can't have a broad sampling with a guy who's only played, what, less than 20 yeah. tests. So would you say that Marnus Labuschagne is a better batsman than Steve Smith? No. Why? Because Steve Smith has his the second best batsman of all time as far as I'm concerned. So we we can take Steve Smith's all-time stats but not his current set. Like, I don't know why you... No, I'm just talking about pure technique. Kane Williamson's arguably got one of the classiest techniques in the world. Yeah, and I, I'd say Marnus Labuschagne's is thereabouts with him. And you want to you stretch out both those guys' stats, then Kane Williamson isn't as good as Steve Smith. No, he's not, but Steve... Kane Williamson's played 70 tests, averaging over 50 with 21 I'm literally talking about right now, the form that they're currently in over, this, over the same span, they're pretty similar. Yeah, but Kane Williamson's been playing for a lot. You're saying that Marnus Labuschagne is not as good as Steve Smith because Steve Smith has done this huge body of work, but Kane Williamson's huge body of work doesn't count. No, I'm just literally saying right now, head-to-head, you're talking about matchups across the board. This is this is the original we're having one through eleven matchups across the board. The number three spot. You're saying I would even. say Kane Williamson is slightly better, but it's very close. That was literally the point I was making. Um, if you if you ever hear this podcast, I'm really sorry, Kane. I think that uh, mate, you've I, got that. I in love space. Kane Williamson, but <laughs> I also really like Marnus Labuschagne right now. He's oh, in I very love, good form. I love Marnus as well, but like let's. If you take out this series, you scored a couple of gritty fifties against England, and then beat up some Pakistani teenagers. Like, <laughs> like mate, we, we, we're going down a rabbit hole right now because now you're taking out stats and I'm taking I'm out, not stats taking out stats. You just said if you just take out the last two innings that he played, then you're handpicking stats right now as well. So we're just, we're just literally going I'm, down a rabbit I'm not hole. Hand- we're, we're, we're opening we've, a can of worms right now. Got- I'd like the 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 <laughs> listeners to know that I'm I'm currently just sitting back and just having a bit of a nap. Um, <laughs> Like I say, like I say, lighten up a cigar. You look at the matchups as far as the rankings. I think Australia in the in those matchups, they have a better team. Our bowling's better. The only the only thing that's beating them out right now is like I say, Tom Latham and Kane Williamson, and Kane Williamson is like, it's it's pretty close for me. You know, Kane Williamson scored two fifties and a hundred against England in that series as well. He's not exactly out of the runs either. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that he sucks. Like I'm saying that he's good, but it's a closer. Like you know, it's not like it's not like comparing Pat Cummins to Neil Wagner or something like that. Like 
there is clear disparities in certain matchups in that, and then there are some where it's close. I think as far as maybe as far as the impact on this series, you could say that they will be level simply because Manus is in such good form. Um, yeah. So, but, like yeah. just just looking at these three tests coming up and looking at their potential impact as players on this, just these three tests. You could say that they're close to level. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can probably get on board with that. But um, as far as all time, <laughs> the, well, jury's, the jury's still... Mate, uh, like, the jury's not even as, out. The, as far as I'm concerned, there's, the not a, there's not a debate about the all time because Kane Williamson has had a full and flourishing career and Manus Labuschagne has dipped his toe in the shallow end of a pool right now. Yeah, the jury is is not even being selected on on Manus Labuschagne. Yeah. You know, they're they're getting caught on you know. Yep. Who's going to misrepresent the um, general public? And you know, <laughs> I love what he's I love what he's all about though. Yeah. Okay, can we keep moving? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we'll um looking forward to the, at the grounds like we said the Optus Stadium is going to be a day nighter and then we've got some uh, causes for concern. We've got uh, the MCG and the SCG which both are having um. Issues with uh, with the pitches at the moment. Um, the SCG, MCG tried to murder some of the Western Australian players until they abandoned the game, and the SCG is still looking a bit dry, dreary, and not. I, really I love good. how we kind of allude to things on this podcast, and that was definitely referenced by us last podcast as well as um, how. Yeah, we almost like uh, we had a premonition about yeah. you know having having issues with the MCG pitch. Just sort your drop in wickets out. Yeah. Just Actually, I understand. think it was a it was a few podcasts ago. It wasn't even the last one. What what I'm Maybe. really happy to see is well, the big concern we talked about the pitches last time was that my concern is that the MCG had sort of reached a point where there wasn't too much more you could do with it. It had become dull and lifeless. And yeah, you could spice it up, but you can only spice it up so far. Um, while I'm not happy that the MCG is turned into the basically a minefield where it's rearing off a length and borderline unplayable, what I am excited about though is the fact that they could do a complete 180 and get it going the other way. When they were told a couple of years ago that if you don't pick your act up and get a, um, you know, make this a, a spicier pitch, you're going to lose, you know, if you get two poor ratings in a row, the MCG can't host test matches. And the next time round, it was a it was a bit spicier, but it was still pretty lifeless. I thought, wow, is this is this it? Is this all it's got left? We got a result, but only because India was so much better than us. Mm. Well, it, is, is but this that... time round, they've got actually went and, Taken it completely the other way. It's gone from being a road to being unplayable because the well, ball's so lively. So, is that how the criteria works? Though, if if they come to the test and it's very similar deck to what it was in that Shield game, do they suddenly lose test status because it's gone the other way? Like, obviously, they they like like. I mean, you don't go out there and try and kill a guy with your pitch like this. They, they've they've buggered that up again. It's just oh yeah, they buggered it up completely the wrong way. But at least it's. There, there is some elasticity in the pitch. You can do stuff with it. It's not. Oh, my fear was the pitch was just dead and lifeless, and but, that was it. But, wouldn't be mm, much to do with no, it. So the, the really concerning part for me is the fact that this is the second to last chance, or possibly the last chance they'll have to actually get a game on there before, and they still haven't sorted it out. Like, yeah, I've I've heard talk about I've leaving heard it to the last minute. Aaron's perspective from a few people, and yeah, I, I can see how that, um, how you come to that. 
But um, they still need to they need to sort it out for the, for Boxing Day. Definitely, it can't be like that. But at least mm. it's it's pliable. You can do stuff with it. I mean, it, it's got to be relatively straightforward to flatten a pitch out. They bloody do but, it all the time over in India. How hard could it be to flatten out one? To but my concern about it is that he could not the the curator could not have possibly gone out there and gone. I intend for this pitch to play like this. Yeah, because if he did. He's an idiot. Yeah, and like, <laughs> a, like I said, that's the really worrying part is the um, fact that he so, doesn't have a grasp on so this. So it yet. indicates that he doesn't have full control. Well, of course, no one has full control. It's a dead piece of grass. But you'd think that he would have a a pretty decent concept of how it's happening. Now, apparently, what happened in the Shield game was the pitch was too soft. Was they they left a lot of moisture in it. And then the ball kissing the surface left little marks in the pitch. And then as the pitch dried out, those marks that were made when the pitch was soft hardened up and became actual divots, which and was then what... became uneven bounce. Yeah. So, I don't know. Is, is, that, a, is that him trying to, um, you know, spice it up or is that... Him just being out of control of something yeah. that we really need to be can, confident about. I don't want to. I don't want to become like the controversial figure on this podcast. So I might just leave myself out of this one because if you don't understand these pretty basic concepts about pitch construction, then I think he's picked the wrong vocation. And that's all I'm going to say on the matter. Yeah, you need to be. You think you'd need to if have to have some idea that your pitch is going to do this, and if he doesn't, then there's some really concerning things moving forward that Australia mm. might have to look at in terms of. Uh, who they've got as the curators of the MCG? Yeah, but we could, you know, one is optimistic, and it's it's definitely the uh, we'll go the heart the glass half full, and it was an oversight, and everything's going yeah. to be fine, and it's no. going to be a spicy but you know good look. This isn't this isn't some university paper though that you can leave to the last minute and hopefully get a pass mark on and get through your course. This well, is there are genuine concerns. Adelaide um, Oval is on standby for the Boxing Day test. Yeah. officially on standby for the Boxing Day Exactly, test. and if I was the guy who was in charge of the MCG Trust and it's getting to that point, then there should be some alarm bells going off Absolutely. for certain people. What's Sorry, which which venue did you say? Adelaide. Adelaide. In case that they can't sort the pitch out. Like Cricket Australia has got like... Too. Got the... Um, yeah, also it's got like the Revenge of the Adelaide. <laughs> they've, they've got the pitch doctor um, to go in and sort it out. So, um, mm. yeah, there's there's definitely concerns there. Um, some things I just wanted to touch on with you guys, if some potential changes to the Australian lineup, if they go down the route of needing an all-rounder, what about a recall for Moses on Reeks? Have you guys been keeping a track on his shield form this season? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, he's definitely, his form warrants it. But And he, he did have a, he's, he's done it in the green and gold before. And in the in the test colours, oh, I think on Reeks, if you're looking down, especially say the Sorry. the SCG, if it's um going to be a, a bit of a road, and you feel you need the extra bowling option. You know, on Reeks is north of thirty. He's not going to have a long career. I think he could be just the guy that you need to come in bat at six. You know, he's been scoring hundreds at four for New South Wales this year. He only plays a handful of tests, maybe just the one, but um, he's in form. Has it done a lot of bowling because New South Wales have gone with a five bowler attack more often than not. It's chipped in with a couple of wickets here and there. Bowled genuinely tight when he's bowled. You know, I think it could be a good option for that guy north of 30. He's in the runs, get him in there, and just has that guy just, look, we need you to 
just give us a couple of decent overs, get us the drinks, and we can then bring on. He's he's not bowling right now for New South Wales, but he can bowl. He's, he's just not bowling because they've got five genuine yeah, bowlers. Yeah, uh, they've got team. they've got Sean Abbott um, fulfilling that role. Um, but you know what you're getting from him with the ball. Yeah, there's there's no be... there's no mystery in him. You know, like he's one of those guys who. You know, he's just a machine with the ball. He's, he's, he's like another John Hastings, you know. Yeah. Um, just that sort of line of length. I don't think his, his strength is is the fact that he's uninteresting. You know. <laughs> I don't think Australia's going to go down the path of picking on Reeks, but I would like to think if they're going to go to the SCG and go, we might need another bowling option. That his name comes up. Mm. Uh, I know they're talking about for the SCG test potentially going with two spinners. And um, local media here is drumming up what they think is, you know, a bit of a five bowler spin-off, which I think is utter ludicrous. There are two options if Australia is going to be serious about it, maybe three, but there's like they've floated a whole bunch of names. If Australia wants to go with two genuine spinners at the SCG, you go with O'Keefe. That's the only option you've got. It's a bit of a trend. And obviously Nathan Lyon. And he, Nathan he Lyon. goes literally without saying. And for, yes. and for those of you setting your clocks at home, you can set your clock now to to uh, Australian nearly New Year's test time because that's <laughs> always the time of year where they seem to drag out a second spinner in the option. It just seems to like the only seem, al- sell a few papers for people. The only other option, realistically, would be is if Australia wants to go with a three-pronged spin, uh, pace attack, Nathan Lyon, and then a spin bowling all-rounder that is a bit more, you know, dangerous than Labuschagne or Smith, is you go with Ashton Agar instead of, say, Travis Head. Yeah. That, those you know, are the only, you know I'm a fan of Ashton Agar. Those are the only two options. They've talked about Holland. They've talked about Zampa. Uh, they've talked about Swepson, which I can kind of get on board with, only in the sense that Australia would be throwing the young kid a bone to see how he goes. But, you know... He he doesn't deserve to be there. Like he, he's not a no. he's not good enough with the bat to be there as an all rounder, and he's not a good enough bowler to be there ahead of O'Keefe. So the only reason that he would get a test at Sydney, I suppose you could make the argument that he spins the ball the other way, so it's a bit of variety to to Nathan Lyon. But realistically, it's not a five spinner bowl off for the SCG if you're going to go with two spinners. It's it's depends on what Australia wants to go with. If Australia wants two genuine spinners. The answer is O'Keefe. And, I'm, and John I'm, Holland is injured, did you say? He is injured, but even if he wasn't, he's not as good as O'Keefe. And the only other option is if they want to go the all-rounder, which is Agar. All these not people to, that tell talking about it are just full of rubbish. Those are the to, two options you go with. Not to mention uh, who's going to be manning the tractor dealership if John Holland goes and plays test cricket. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I'm going to I'm going to speak directly down the mic to uh to old George Bailey right now because I know that he's he's just about to. Properly roll his sleeves up and do some selecting, and he uh, he just, rolled his arm you're, over. You're better than that, George. You're better than that. Don't, <laughs> don't think about Mitch Swepson. Don't like don't don't make one of your first big decisions. Be pick a guy who's bowled a couple of decent overs well, in one shield game so far. Especially after he came out and said he's going to try and do away with this rubbish of picking someone just purely on the basis that they're young. You know, they need to have. Seasons and seasons of coming from one of the oldest guys in Shield cricket <laughs> up until his retirement. Did you it's, see? It's refreshing to hear him say that. Did you see his over? Uh, he, yeah, he, he bowled the last over. Wearing the, wearing the baggy. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love George. Yeah. All right. So um, one of the last real men predictions, guys. Cricket. Who have you got? Australia. Australia. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. In um, what two? Oh, three we nil? talked about the whole series. Yeah. Well, three nil. Three nil. You reckon three results? 
I'll go with punter and I'll be I'll sit on the fence and go two nil. He he said, yeah, I'll I'll just be uh, diplomatic and go Australia will win two nil. So you reckon well, there's a draw in there I somewhere? I think there's going to be a result at the MCG. By the, look of <laughs> the result might be, you know, no hospitalisation. I, I, I think it's only going to go for one day. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're due for some rain in Sydney, so. The first Just 2020, 2020. <laughs> hang on, hang on, Sydney siders. Rain is on the way. You just need to wait till the New Year's test starts. Um, I'm I'm going to go with Glenn. I think it's going to be 2-0. I think one of the games is going to be a draw. I tend to think it's probably going to be Sydney. Looking at the MCG, that looks like it's got a plenty of life in it. Um, I think we're going to be too good at Perth. I think it's going to be a really good game at Perth, being a pink mm. ball test. It will come, I think it'll come down to the toss as well. Yep. Um, that is, is one of the things that's really great about the, the pink ball test. It just seems much less likely that there's going to be a draw in those tests. Yeah, well, I don't think there's ever been they a pink are. ball draw. So, well, I think uh, on the same on the same token, that's the one of the real real drags I don't like about the pink ball test is it's so reliant on what time of day you bat. Like yes. Yeah. But, you know, having said that, that's something people are going to need to work on because it's going to be a thing for a while, I think. But, yeah, it's just if you're batting at twilight you're, and you're starting your batting session at twilight, it's... You don't, I, you don't generally win that test. I'd like to see stats on that, I, but I reckon it's pretty I do close think to that's true. the test that New Zealand have got the best chance of winning. So it's the mo- I think that's the most important test of this series. I think if, if New Zealand gets up in Perth, I could quite conceivably see that series going to, you know, 2-1. But, you know, talking the matchups as well, like we've got two guys in that middle order who are very well equipped to face a moving ball as well. So hopefully, you know, I, 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 I can see that. Australia still getting getting the biggies on that one. Yeah, I think it's like it's at home. Australia is very, very good at home. Um, I know we've had some, you know, we've stumbled a little bit in the last couple of seasons with, um, you know, Smith and Warner being out. But yep, Australia is very good at home. So I think this will be a very good series. I think New Zealand's going to come over and play some amazing cricket. Um, but I, I do think we've got the edge on them. Um, but, yeah, Perth, I think Perth is going to be a fantastic barometer for the series. I think that's the one, you know, pink ball swinging at night time. Southie and Bolt, they're far better swing bowlers than Australia's got. They could really do some damage depending on how how the, the, the innings line up. I wouldn't want to be facing them with the new ball on the light. So that's, their, that's going to be a really big game in the context of this series that New Zealand could... Could conceivably steal one. I do think we're going to win it, but I wouldn't be shocked if New Zealand come away with a win in that in that game. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's definitely, and I, I like the fact that Australia's kind of left themselves a bit vulnerable in their scheduling. Well, I mean, it was the only because the other two tests weren't going to be pink ball tests, but I also having love that the, first. I also test love is, the fact that cricket's going to be on until midnight. Yeah, I was, I was about to say my prediction is that there's going to be a very few very late nights coming up. <laughs> at least it's not starting at midnight. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not quite England. <laughs> Yeah, well, just before we move on, um, you brushed on the SCG and you said the, the conditions were bad in the SCG. I'm just assuming you're talking about the smoke because there wasn't anything oh, the wrong smoke. with the pitch, was there? Oh, I, 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 not bad. I'd say just it's been a typical SCG pitch that's been the last couple of years. It's just sort of been a bit bland. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of hard work for everyone involved. It's But it's still a result wicket. It's still a result wicket, yeah, but there's not a lot of pace in it. So the batsmen have got some hard work. The bowlers have got hard work. It's not turning like it used to. Like, it's just... It's like the SCG pitch of old. It's like SCG light. It's just not as good as it used to be at any particular facet of the well, game. So it's just going to be hard work for everybody. Well, I say good. About time Pat Cummins did some work, I think. <laughs> <laughs> He's only bowled more overs than anyone in him, world cricket him, since. Him and Nathan Lyon need to start putting in, I think. They're on notice for me. Since since Pat Cummins' recalls of the test side, 
he has bowled more overs than anyone in the world. He's gone in! Knocked him over! The pressure was too much! Well, yeah, moving on. So we're going to go, um, we're going to, go to our teams now. How good's yeah. that? All right, um, Scott, do you want to lead us in? Or, Glenn, do you want to start off with your... Well, I actually haven't thought about it, so All right. well, start with Scott. You go last, <laughs> then, and you can pick yours. All right, Scott. Let's preface this by saying... This is this is the this we, is we, not we, who we think are the best. We don't think these are the best players this, that have played. These are the people that we have enjoyed. This watching. is our variation of the like the cliche to the point of almost boredom. Like I remember, I remember watching Richie Benno release his one early two thousands, his team of the last century or whatever. You know, just, just listing off the names. It's very much by the numbers. We we just went a bit better, and we just kind of. Had to dig a bit deep, and Glenno's digging a bit deep right now. I can see him thinking about the we, players that we genuinely enjoyed watching, and and that's the thing is we've we've had this conversation a lot. Like, we, we are eventually going to do our own world all time eleven, who we think would be the best team in the world. We'll work up to that, where we're going to have to put some thought and possibly justify our picks. But this particular one is just going to be basically our favourite slash who yeah. we've enjoyed watching the most. And 11. we're talking and about test cricket, right? Test cricket. Test yes. cricket only, yep. Um, and we to- and um, we'll, we'll, we'll kick off by saying, and we'll mention this at the end as well, is, um, yeah, we'll put this up. And I think just throw a bit of a vote in, throw a bit of a poll and see who likes what the most. Or like I say, let's, let's make it abundantly clear that this is a team that we personally, and this is, is, is going to be the interesting part, is it's what, that we personally enjoyed watching. Yeah, it takes up. it takes the stats out of it. So for for me and as it's it's kind of a little bit it's like a little it's bit easy. Bit, it makes it really easy. <laughs> it's less analysis. No, no, I, I find I find myself feeling a bit nude, you know, when I can't <laughs> don't I'm have just, stats to back I'm just up. Just like, well, this guy's clearly better than him because he's half a point better. You know, <laughs> his average is fifty five and a half rather than fifty five. Let's leave the numbers to the old accounts then for this one. I think. Um, <laughs> All right, Scotty, who you got? What, yeah, open is a number three. I've got. Number one, Kumar Sangakkara. Opening the batting, as opening a test the batting as a test batsman. Yes, and that's this okay. is exactly why I said I preface this by because these are guys we're, that we're I genuinely that. enjoyed watching. He's not an opener though. He he has opened the batting for test. I don't think he's open for test matches. He has opened for test matches. Oh, I did my research. How on this many one. games has he opened as a test batsman? Not many. I will give you that. <laughs> oh, I think you're drawing a long bow here, Scotty. Mate, I'm just I'm trying to be original because I I know, I know the way you, the way you boys think, and I I reckon I would have gone very similar to both you guys. So I'm just trying I'm trying to throw a bit of originality in here. Right, yeah. I'm, I, I'm well I'm well aware that the backlash this, this could create, but I I'm just this, these are the guys. This is the team that I reckon would do pretty well. And guys that I enjoyed watching. Growing I don't necessarily up. agree with a pick, but I think we'll have to. We have to let him. Oh, let him Kuma, do it. Mate, I mean, Kumar I is a legend. Honestly, as this is my team, so just <laughs> deal with it. You're not going to make me pick another bloke. So, and and this is going to even like roll you up even more because the second bloke has only opened twice in tests. Hashim Amla. I don't really think you're doing this in the spirit of the of the eleven, Scotty. Mate, these would you would you say these guys couldn't open? Uh, I would say that they don't typically open in test. Uh, uh, so you've, pi- you've, you've picked your team. I just think I just think you're that. narrowing the numbers down. So you, like if, if you're so talking you're, about pure openers, you wanted to 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 pick basically three number threes. <laughs> Is that it? Well, <laughs> if you, you've got a treat for you coming up. All oh, right. If so you, you've picked an opener I'll, to bat number I will, three. I wish I'm not going to announce that my team right now, but I have more than three number threes in my team. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, we're only announcing the openers in our number three. Well, I'm, uh, I'm opening with like, Gilly. I'm, feel, I'm opening feel, with Gilly. Feel free, feel free to give me a serve, guys. But this is the this is a team that I genuinely this enjoyed. Is, we already did. 
You're not doing a very good job because I was expecting a lot more of a backlash. This just reminds me of the episodes of Top Gear when Richard Hammond just rocks up with a car that is clearly not what they're supposed to have, but he's like, I'm doing it anyway. In our generation, since the mid-90s, let's say, and for me personally, like watching guys growing up was probably more like 2000 for me, which I have a strong memory of, and I could probably justify a few more before that, but... For me, I just didn't want to go with the bland choice because the bland yeah. choice for me was Langer and Hayden. Like that, those are the guys that I genuinely enjoyed watching up uh, growing uh, up. We, and I, I just wanted to throw a bit of international flavour into my team. And I think like, we're all, um, we've all would think would assume that number one, two, and three are specialist positions. So I just think it's a bit strange that that, that despite the fact that we all have that same attitude that you need to, you know, specialist openers are a thing that you need in your 11 that you haven't gone with but specialist openers. Mate, I've thought about this as well. I'm not sitting here and I'm just saying these guys are opening because I need a spot for them in my team because I want them in my team, which is kind of true in a sense. But if I genuinely thought these guys couldn't do the job opening, I wouldn't have them opening. Like, I'm picking a team oh, that's like going to win a game. Like, I'm picking a team that's going to have a sh- real They're, sh- they're both anyway. incredibly talented batsmen. I'm sure that if you ask them to, Ash, they Ash would be able to open. Ashley Mamela opens in one day cricket. I just, I just, yeah. and you, mate, you the, haven't the quite of, hit the spirit of the 11, but we'll go forward from there. Like, like I'm saying, I'm quite happy to be contradicted on this, but I genuinely, this this is the team that I'm going to roll out with. Like, well, this is, it's not like we could twist your arm and make you pick another one. Mate, but mate, uh, I'm, I'm, just, like, <laughs> I'm opening with Glenn Maxwell, by the way. Go for your life, Glenn, mate. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So, we've got Kumar Zengakara, who's batted at four for, for primarily most of his career, and Hashim Amla has opened at three. Hashim Amla has opened as well. Sorry. And number three is Raul Dravid for me. Oh. Well, at least there's, there's one in the position they're supposed to be in. Well, why not open with Dravid then? He's probably done more opening than the other guys. Yeah, Dravid probably be a better opener than Sankakara. Flip them around. Raul, Raul Dravid's there to stop the rot. These these two guys are. Sankakara's. More than handy with the bat. Guy averaging 55-odd, well, close to 55 when he retired. Hashim Amlo was just just south of 50 when he retired. And Raul Dravid, how many how many batsmen have said, sorry, how many bowlers have said that they just hated bowling to that bloke? If it wasn't for Sachin Tendulkar, Rahul Dravid would be the most loved man in India. We all love Rahul Dravid. I love well, that. Well, you've picked three incredible batsmen. There's there's nothing wrong with the batsmen that you've picked. That's you purely just, what I'm going with. You, like, just, um, you haven't I'm, picked them where they're supposed to be. <laughs> Does Kumar keep for you, or is you keep picking him purely as a batsman? You're gonna have to find out later on, Glenna. All right, <laughs> that's that's our that's our dangler for the you know, mate, for the next week. Yeah, mate, are you trying to lull me into a trap here? But no, that's that's for another episode. Yeah, well, well done. You've picked. Yeah, who are you, Johnny Segment? Three three incredible batsmen there. Like it's like we've said, we've we've chipped you for. I don't think that's you know part of the challenge is picking those specialist positions. Otherwise, you'd. Feel like a team full of Tendulkar and Lara and Callis and all yeah, these. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So, you know, you probably should have picked and some that, specialist that was, openers, that's, but that's, that's your That's team. what I'd emphasise is the fact that if I was picking a team of 1 through 11, my team would be at least eight players of Australian players. Well, that's all right. You're picking your favourite 11 of people that you've seen. They're all Australian. And guys that they're generally all Australian. And like I say, I'm, I'm, th- I'm throwing a bit of international flavour in there. So, yeah, that's, um, that's <laughs> me, boys. All right. Peeps. All right, I'm still doing my homework as so, You're still doing uh, your homework? All right, I'll do mine. Well, my, so my two opening batsmen, and I've actually picked opening batsmen for people that I've enjoyed watching over the time that uh, um, are Chris Gale, because I just love the swagger that Chris Gale goes around. Everyone thinks of him as a uh, T20 specialist and one-day slogger. This is a guy with two test triple hundreds, and considering his... Uh, apparent disregard for playing defensive cricket has a test o- a test average as an opener 
into the 40s. So um, do like Chris Gale. Bit of flair there. Um, yep. And my other opener, partnering him up, is um, Graham Smith, mm. who yeah. is quite possibly one of the toughest people to ever play cricket, ever play sport. The guy's just, you know, strength of character, captaining that South African side with everything going on in the internal politics for South Africa. Averages 45 for as an opener. Um, when he scores 100, South Africa have never lost. Um, he just, was part of that uh, record um, chase as well in the, the fourth innings. The chase that they didn't end up quite getting there, but it was the highest runs, I think, in a fourth No, innings. I think they did get oh, there the, for one of them. Oh, yeah. No, I was talking the game against India. You're talking about the game against Australia where they chased down 4-14. Yep. at the, yeah, that's yep, the that's one. That's right. We were thinking of two different I games. I remember it, unfortunately, well. Too soon, too soon. Um, yeah, so I think the two absolute high-quality openers and two very – Pretty different openers. You've got Gale that can get you off to a flyer and Graham Smith, who you know is going to be just a rock and hold an innings, but was still aggressive enough to score runs at a decent clip. Yep. Batted incredibly well in England. Um, you know, his game travelled to the subcontinent. Just There wasn't many holes in his technique. Arguably, probably through the covers, as you'd say, is probably the weakest part of his game, but just put a price on his wicket, played really hard. Um, led his nation like an absolute champion of the game. Um, love Graham Smith. That moment where he broke his hand and came out to try and save the test that Sydney's forever etched in my mind. And, you know, God, we love a guy that just picks himself off off of the mat and does his best for his nation. Like, it doesn't matter if he's Australian or not. We love that. And my number three um, is Ricky Ponting. Um, absolute hero growing up. Just love watching Punter do his thing. That hook and pull shot that he plays is close to pornography for me. That thing is just magic yep. to watch. Absolute weapon in the field. Um, yeah, one I, of the best one-day international captains. One of the best captains. You know, he's got a, a poor record over in England as a captain, but you know, he led his team incredibly well. It was, yeah, all-time leading run scorer for Australia. All-time leading hundred getter for Australia. Yeah. Um, Again, incredibly tough individual. His commentary is coming along too. I actually really like Ricky Ponting as a commentator. It's almost, almost enough to make me watch Channel 7. He's settled in a bit. Yeah, it's good. Um, all right, okay. So I'm, I'm finishing off my own work you. now. Um, <laughs> Hastily scrawling it down at the back of the class for the teacher so, goes. So mine will probably be a bit less thoughtful and uh, more obvious than yours. But uh, I'm going to throw in one surprise, I think. Um I'm going to start with my opener being uh, Michael Slater. Oh, slats. He yeah. was good to watch, wasn't he? He was good to watch. Um, you know, he just threw the bat at the ball. I, I don't – people – there's still a mystery to me how he didn't get along in the uh, one-day international game. <laughs> His stats in the 50-over game are garbage, but uh, he just played – you know, the big follow-throughs, the big shots, he was jumping. He was jumping, elegant you know. to watch when he was on song. Yeah, he hit the ball as hard as anyone I've seen, you know, like this back when they they played to the boundaries, back when men were men, you know. <laughs> and if you... They had you to know, walk barefoot in the snow to yeah, get to the field and you, all that. Yeah, if you slid your leg into the boundary, it was your own stupid fault. He um, was on... He was like a real Michael Clark before Michael Clark was a thing kind of thing as well. Just like a young cricketer coming through it was his career you know kind of in that era where it was 
just recently becoming a thing where the guys were getting, you know, really good coin for playing cricket as well. Yep. And he's, yeah, you know, like the, Michael Clark obviously made the big bucks and he was a marketable personality, but Slater was, you know, he, he, he was a prodigy coming through and just made cricket his own. And yeah, I mean, made a lot I don't of money know, he it. just had a style about how, um, about him when he scored his runs. The, the one innings that sticks in my mind was, uh, I think it was in Perth against Sri Lanka. He made 219. I think that was in the test that was Ricky Ponting's debut. Yeah, uh, he that. debuted at six and, and got out for 96. Off, off a rubbish <laughs> yeah. LDW call. Yeah, but I, rubbish. Remember, I remember as a kid, I, I would have been, what, 11 then. Um, I remember putting up the Christmas tree while I was watching Michael Slater make um, 219, you know, just chucking the, the decorations on there. Um, yeah. So that sticks in my mind. You know, you know how you like have those weird parallels where you're like, "Oh yeah, I remember doing that while I was watching, uh, watching Slats score the double ton." Associated memories, mate, yeah, that, mate. That's why, that's why this thing exists. Is just these guys you grew up watching. These guys you watched. You didn't yeah. just kind of they were in a team. It's it's not like your Jesse Riders or someone like that who were just players. These guys you you took notice when they were playing. Yeah, could, could leave him as a commentator, but um, yeah. yeah. Oh look, he was—he oh, was popular for a while. <laughs> he brought it. He brought a bit of energy to a stale commentary team. I'll say that about him. But other but than then that, they he's just gave ev- made, and went horribly. They made everyone the energy guy. You can't have everyone being the energy oh, guy. Think, Not think, everyone can go bang every time. There's I think, a four. I think Brayshaw was more responsible for that than anything. Like that was when it really hit the like turning point for me. Was when he came on in the twenty twenties and was just. Everything was, oh, my God, look at this. It's so amazing. 2020 is so amazing. Test cricket so amazing now. So is 50 over cricket. It's just like, let's, never, just, let's just watch the game for a bit, mate. He's like the ADHD kid. Just sit down and be quiet for a second, mate. <laughs> Who's your other opener? My other opener is going to be, well, someone had to pick him, Matty Hayden. Um, a tall left-hander, um, played straight, uh, adapted his game. Um, scored a billion runs before he even got picked. Um, I remember, uh, well, I listened to a double hundred. Um, it's funny. I have, I have, I always have these associated memories. Um, it was an Australia Day test. I think back when, uh, Adelaide was still the like Australia Day kind of thing. And, uh, it was against, uh, West Indies side in the late nineties. So they were still formidable. I think they would have still had Courtney Walsh. I'm not sure if they still had Kirtley. They would have definitely had Courtney Walsh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Kirtley was still in there and they had a, a couple of like other guys like Carol uh, Cuffy and, and some guys who've sort of been forgotten over the time. And, yeah, Matty Hayden got in because Slats, Slats was out injured. <laughs> um, and, yeah, scored a double ton. And... Uh, we were on Shark Island, that little island in, near Sydney. We'd won some sort of thing in in a competition, and uh, it rained all day in Sydney while we were on Shark Island. So I had this little, uh, you know, uh, AM radio, so, AM radio. So what you're saying is, Glenno, you it. had an amazing holiday because oh, you got to oh, listen yeah. to Test cricket for all of it. And I think How Greg, that? Greg Blewett got 99 uh, and then got just played on <laughs> as well, um, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, and then after that, he uh, he sort of got more aggressive. Like, there was nothing better than watching, um, you know, all of this hype about the opposition fast bowlers. And then in the third over, 
uh, Matty Hayden just walks down the pitch at him and just smashes him back How over. How good was that? Like, hey, you know, Hayden was on song when he just sort of like was wasn't a skip down. He just walked down the wicket yeah, and just like dispatched fast bowlers. Like, it was like it, it was like uh, like Terminator had a bat. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't a skip. It was just like. Marching. It was, it was like how I play Call of Duty, just walk slowly through the centre of the yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it, was, yeah, it wasn't that sort of crab step or skip down that when you're trying to loft the bowler back over his head. He just walked at the bowler and, and then just And his head was so still it. as he did it. It was yeah. more brute force there's, than finesse. There's a reason sure. the guy averages 50 as an opener, which is phenomenal for an opening batsman. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, absolute class. And you've got, to, you've got to go with, with saying that as well as... He knew when to give up the game. Like he 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 retired at the right time as well. Yeah, I think he really wanted to go on that o nine uh, tour, but I I think he, he thought better of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so I should get on to my number three. I'm going to go international here, and I'm going to call it Jacques Callis. Jacques Callis at three. Cool. He has to be there. Come on, <laughs> like. The guy was probably not the best person to watch with the bat, but as far as getting the job done, he's just got to be in your team. Oh, mate, he's, he's always in the conversation. Well, he's the just because they weren't exciting doesn't mean they weren't good to watch. He's yeah. the third highest number three run scorer. <laughs> like, yeah. And and it arguably could have kicked on a bit. Like, he wasn't – it didn't exactly leave on a form slump either. He was still going pretty well. He could have kicked on and probably beaten Ponning's record. Yeah. You runs. just got to love the guy because he had all three facets of the game. You know, he was an elite at them. He was a you know what a better batsman than Tendulkar, a better bowler than Brett Lee. Didn't and took the second most catches yeah. of all time in the slips. Just a very safe pair of hands. Even even like when he was younger, in the one day game, he was he was a good fielder. Um, you know, he wasn't quite jaunty roads, which <laughs> everyone remembers from South Africa, but uh, very handy in the field. Um, in the ring there. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't really you can't really run out of superlatives to say about the yeah. guy. You weren't, you weren't too tempted to drop him down the order a bit and get in another number three, mate? Well, see, I thought about that, but then I thought there's... Well, I'm not going to reveal my what I thought because that like guy's... It. Like it a lot. Of, you know, you wouldn't reveal to me uh, who's keeping for That's you. That's right. Everyone will find out um, next week when we do four, five, six... Yeah. Come on and get um, your kicks. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go international for one of my uh, middle order anyway. Are you going to actually have it ready to go for next week or are you going to go last again while you Look, think about I, it? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an improviser. Um, improv, bit of improv. I, yeah. reckon, I reckon if we had to throw you in the deep end, like I say, like this, this is the thing about this is we talk about this a lot. You'll, you'll get a better – We've got a good idea. Yeah. We've got a good idea of what, who we like. And having said that, I will go home tonight and I'll go, oh, man, I really wanted that guy yeah. in my 11. <laughs> mate, I, I've been thinking about this the last few days and I was doing that a fair bit. But it's just like, mate, yeah. fire it. Fire, yeah. the, fire so, the gun. Then so you, you, then, then you cheated that. and you moved batsmen into positions they shouldn't be to get mate, them in. Like I said, these guys have opened for their team. You and str- you, tell me, you tell me that they're not. 
You constructed, They're not going to score runs there. You constructed Nathan. the ca- counter argument you were going to have with us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> these guys. These guys opened. I I have I personally would have picked a number of players, especially if I was going for more of a for less of a cliche team. I've picked a number of players that you guys picked. So, do, so do I you, purely went for originality. Do, took do one you, for the team. Do you have the You're stats, welcome. Andy? How many times has Sangakara and Amla actually opened for their team in Test cricket? I, t- I told you, Asham Amla's on already. He's he's opened twice, twice for him. So that's is that two innings or two matches? Two matches. Two matches. So f- potentially four times he's opened the batting. Do you um, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, like, likely four times. And he's op- and Kumar Sangakkara only opened nine times. And I, I just checked the stats on Dravid while we were as a test. He opened nine times as a test opener. Yeah. In wow. So I, that's a pretty like fair sample. It's, don't, it's get hard, ro- it's don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Raul Dravid, like you say, the point was made that Raul Dravid could have opened for my team as well. He opened twenty-one times for India. But I think Raul Dravid's a better number three, so I just... In 21 innings or 21 matches? 21 innings, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. And Sangakara was nine matches or nine innings? Nine innings. Yeah. I can't imagine when that was because early on... He was a wicketkeeper yeah, and yeah. then he was quite definitely middle-order batsman. So, mm. at the I am general... And, like and, I, and that was kind of the th- my point for with Kumar Sangakara is that Kumar Sangakara was a bit of a Mr. Fix-It at times for Sri Lanka. He's, he's definitely moved around in the order a fair bit. Like, he's kept for him, so he's obviously been down the order a bit. He, he kind of finished up at five, didn't he? Yeah. He, he and he's been a bit of time at four. He's, he's definitely kind of I moved th- around where I they needed him. I think he was him. mostly at four, yeah. But um, I I have alluded to this before, but I, I always wondered why they stopped using him as a wicket-keeper wicket because he wasn't a bad keeper. And I, just, like, I just think... Because he then averaged nearly 70 as a Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Think, when he dropped I think the, the gloves... I think the evil, the evil word was load management with him because I, I don't necessarily think his game kind of dropped, went to another stratosphere when he stopped keeping. But well, he, he definitely, statistically it did. Um, yeah, it was... Yeah, I, it, I, I did dig that up one time. Like, he was... I think it was more just the seniority of it. Like, he, he just put a lot more import, importance on his wicket towards the end because he knew that he was bowling, batting around guys that like he, when, when Mahala kind of left and you know he was batting with Angelo Matthews and yeah like Ch- Dinesh Chandamal kind of as the more senior players he knew that his wicket was more important kind of he, like he needed to be be yeah. there and batting deep kind of thing he knew that they did have a very good um keeper for a while there um I think his name was Joe Wardner as well Prasanna Joe yeah. Wardner yeah, yeah yeah and um, he was just like he wasn't a great batsman but he was a very High quality keeper, and they. Yeah. Oh, and don't get me wrong; it probably did contribute the fact that he dropped the gloves. But yeah, like I say, I think it's just kind of, you know, you, you want a guy who's north of thirty, kind of spending a bit less time out in the field. Yeah, and then yeah, you know, like his, his quads had, are thanking him. How, how much? Like I, I just remember, I just remember that Hashim Amla series because I didn't really address it too much when I was kind of talking about. It, but that Hashim Amla series where he first came out to Australia, and. I just remember seeing him come out, and I'm just like, God, he looks. He, he he kind of he didn't have a lot of footwork to his to his play. He's kind of like Kevin Peterson kind of came on like later on. Like he's coaching now, as he's saying that footwork's not as important as head position and stuff like that. It's just it was the way that Amla kind of approached it as well. As he if he didn't wasn't quite to the pitch of the ball, as long as he was in the right position, he'd still commit to the shot and he'd play. He was brash. He was a stroke maker and. Yeah, they just seem like a pretty good compliment at the top of the order for me. So that's why I kind of he's a well organized player. I thought, you yeah, know, like yeah. the. Uh, and, a, and another guy who carried South Africa for a very long time, him and AB de Villiers, don't get me wrong, like AB de Villiers is still very much the probably the best guy in that team. But um yeah, Hashim Amla was just a rocket number three for him for a very long time. And opening. 
Yeah. For two games. Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right, well, that'll bring us to the end for another episode. Um, like we say, we're available on Apple Podcasts, we're available on Spotify, we're available on iHeartRadio, we're available on SoundCloud, obviously. We're available on um, Google Podcasts. Yep. We're available on Spreaker. Mm. Plenty of places to get your two slips and a gully fix. Um, we're looking forward to the test series. It's going to be starting tomorrow, at the t- time this episode's being filmed. Next week, we're going to come back and we'll unpack everything to do with that day-night test. And uh, we will also reveal Batsman 4, 5, and 6 for our most enjoyable 11 teams. Um, like Guys, I said, let us know what, what your top three are. Yeah, pick your yeah. top three. We'll post our top three to our Facebook page. You can pick anyone. Feel free to pick them apart. <laughs> if, they've played, if they've played in innings at their position, you know, Nathan Lyon could be batting at four. <laughs> You just never know. Well, at least two innings that, going um, on the current criteria. That um, that one game when he came out for Ponting's farewell as oh, a night watchman, yeah. it was the biggest cheer he's ever gotten because everyone thought it was it was punter. Oh, look, he played up on it too. He was playing all the <laughs> practice shots in the big... <laughs> it was great. Um, yeah, so that'll do us for another week. Uh, look forward to hearing from you all. Um, and yeah, go the Aussies. So yeah. Ava. Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.